0: Good. I, you know, we've been putting a lot of work into making the song service awesome, and uh, and it is. You want that? Um, it is. Man, it's been good. I, 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 don't know. I was gonna say if you didn't enjoy that, you're dead inside. But I don't know. You may have something <laughs> going on in your life that I don't know about, and I don't want to. I don't want to judge. You know. Um. <laughs> hey, I'm glad you're here. I really am. I was a little nervous that nobody would show up. People would be like, "Road closed. Yeah, I'm gonna go home." Uh, but you came, you drove past the road closed sign you got to be a rebel for jesus, and I just that just makes me feel really happy the uh, this week and, and this is part of the sermon I promise this week they closed the the road on t- on Tuesday and I don't know, probably, Steve would probably have to confirm, but I, I, we didn't count, but there were probably two dozen cars, maybe a hundred cars that whipped into our parking lot, which, you know, for somebody like me, I'm like, yes, people are coming to church. It's not even church time. But no, they weren't coming for church. They were whipping into our parking lot because they didn't realize the road was closed for whatever reason. They thought, well, maybe there's a way to kind of scoot through. Now, I'm not talking about people kind of like casually drove by a road closed sign. The first day we actually called them and said, hey, you got to let us get to church. The first day they had the road barricaded off. So there were these people in like these little smart cars, you know, go off-roading, no joke. In fact, I just saw one this morning. I mean, driving right through these piles of gravel and they're just like going all over like crazy. The kids in the back are bouncing around and you're just like, what are you doing? Did you not see the barricades? No joke. There were construction workers out there that were jumping the concrete barriers and they were like, stop, what are you doing? I learned this week that bulldozers Are equipped with horns. Did you know that? I didn't know that. I didn't know there would be a situation they would need to use a horn, but it makes sense. And they were honking at the people like in SUVs just trying to drive through construction. So at one point, um, Caleb was out of town and, and Steve and I were in the office and we just like took our coffee out and we just stood there just like watching the chaos unfold. It was just unbelievable. Asking the question, what is wrong with people? Like, what are they doing? Like, why in the world do they just keep driving by the road, closed sign? And then I figured it out. I figured it out. And it's really a problem with all of humanity, even though it was fun to make fun of these folks. The problem was I saw somebody whip in and stop, and then they pulled out their phone. And what they looked like, at least clearly to me, were doing, uh, well, in fact, one person stopped and said this, is that their phone had told them to come this way. So they typed in Google and Google didn't know the road was closed. And so they drove through road closed signs, over piles of gravel, right by bulldozers because their phone told them to do it. Is that not a metaphor for our current cultural moment? People listening to their phones and ignoring the real world signs of danger and driving straight into dead ends. It's un. Believable. Now it kind of finally slowed down. I I put up a sign, a little bit of a snarky sign that said, "This is just a parking lot." On the front, and then, if you may remember, a few months ago, I told a story about me having this thing happen where people would say, "This is just a parking lot," and then they would come into the parking lot and they would turn around and on the backside of the sign, I put, "Told ya," because people were still, (laughs) people were still doing it. They were following. Their phones, and they did it this morning. But it's it's just crazy. I'm glad you guys listened to the, uh, the the emails and everything that we sent out. Can you imagine just sitting in that SUV, honey? There's a backhoe right there. I know, but this is where my phone told me to go. I mean, can you imagine that conversation? Um, but let me ask you this: There's two sides to this coin. Have you ever have you ever, as a human being, full of you know? joy and life and potential and story, have you ever been ignored by someone because of their phone? They were using their phone, and you as a human in front of them, you know, you were not as important as whatever was going on on the phone. Has that ever happened to you? Have you ever experienced that? (laughs) Have you, as a human, ever paid attention to your phone and ignored the other humans in front of you i wasn't as enthusiastic that time that's really it's really interesting have you ever texted or scrolled social media while driving i know someone who watches netflix while driving netflix yeah while driving um how many of you have already used your phone for something non-church related this morning Yeah, 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 yeah. I saw you. I saw you. I stand in the back. You think I stand in the back because I just kind of want to like enjoy things? No, I'm watching you. I have had people send me pictures of other people scrolling Facebook while I am preaching. Let me tell you. Let me tell you. Number one, that hurts my feelings. (laughs) I worked really hard on this sermon. Number two, there is nothing more interesting going on on Facebook. I know it hijacks your brain and your attention, but it's not really more interesting. And some of you are going to be like, oh, Patrick just talked about this, but you're going to feel that urge, and you're going to want to reach into your pocket or reach down to your seat, or your phone's going to ding, or... uh, I just was thinking, God, is somebody's phone going to go off during this sermon? like, I'm talking about phones, some of you are thinking, you know what, I should go ahead and just pull that out real quick and just turn it off silent. Yes, because you know if it rings, you know we're going to stop, and we're all going to look at you, and we're all going to be thinking judgmental thoughts, like, now would be a good time to do that. The phones, like, it's kind of wild, and it's kind of gotten crazy. Let me ask you if you've had this experience, because let me say this, you've had this experience, whether or not you realize it or not. Now, this is funny. Let me just stop for a second and say, at the 830 crowd, the average age at the 830 crowd, I don't want to guess, but it's probably not quite as young as this crowd. At the 830 crowd, we kind of had to amend, because a lot of people in that room were like, smartphone? I haven't even heard of a smartphone I don't know how they do that exactly. But for them, we had to talk about, this is true for a lot of technology and a lot of media. It's true for cable news. It's true for talk radio. All the things we talk about may have to be applied to your specific situation because I may give you an illustration and you may say, well, I don't do that exact thing, so therefore I don't have a problem. That's not true. You likely have a problem that you're not aware of and it's probably in some area. Whether or not it's your iPhone or your Samsung or your laptop or your desktop or whatever it is or your car, phone if you're still from the 80s whatever it is that you have you probably have an unhealthy relationship in a way that you don't acknowledge or realize but someone else could tell you you do Um, and so when we talked about this with the with the 830 crowd they were all on board with the smartphones as soon as i started talking about talk radio they were like "Mm, now you're meddling now you know (laughs) as soon as i started talking about cable news they're like oh patrick i don't you know cable news that's my thing i watch that seven hours a day have you ever had this experience? You, uh, you pull out your phone, and you're like, I'm just gonna check the weather. I mean, the sky looks like it's nice outside, but I'm just gonna check it real quick. Oh, look, there's a little notification near Facebook. I'll just, I'll just look that clear that real quick. Look at Facebook, and you're like, oh, interesting. Uh, somebody commented on something that I said. <gasps> they disagreed. Well, I'm gonna disagree right back at them what? They, they're, they're typing right now. It says that they're typing. Well, I'm just going to wait to see what they type. Oh, that person is an idiot. Now I'm going to go to my post and I'm going to say there are people out there that are just dumb and they don't get what's really going on in the world. I won't call them out specifically, but I'll talk about this thing. And then I'll like scroll a little bit. I'm not saying I will do this. You'll do this. I'm good with my phone. Then I'll scroll a little bit, and I'll realize, oh, hey, there's a video that somebody posted. They said, this video will get your blood boiling. I want my blood to be boiling. Watch. <gasps> that makes me so mad. Oh, and there's another video. Oh, that makes me mad, too. Oh, there's a cat. That's funny. Oh, there's another one. That makes me really upset. <laughs> and then before you know it, you resurface. You come up for air, and you realize 45 minutes, an hour, two hours have gone by, and you accomplish nothing. You were very busy, but nothing got done. Have you ever had that experience? I'm just, I'm, I'm speaking hypothetically, right? None of us in here have ever had that. I brought my phone up uh, with me because, you know, I'm going to be talking about technology a little bit today. During the first service with that crowd, I got like 20 texts during my sermon. <laughs> Not everybody was in the room, but some of them were. <laughs> some of them were in the room. Busy doing nothing. This seems like a modern problem, right? Like phones, like, all right. Patrick, I came to church to hear the Word of God, and you're talking about phones. Jesus didn't have an iPhone. All right, well, I I actually think the Bible covers topics that it doesn't directly address because it gives us underlying principles that we can then apply to things that maybe didn't exist in the first century. So if you take your Bible, which may be on your phone, don't do anything else, but if you take your Bible and open up to 2 Thessalonians, chapter 3 2nd Thessalonians chapter 3 <laughs> just got a text 2nd Thessalonians <laughs> chapter 3 I will say I've gotten phone calls from a certain elder while I'm preaching <laughs> phone calls 2nd Thessalonians chapter 3 verse 11 uh, this is out of the New American Standard uh, version, which I like the, w- the wording in this particular section. Uh, For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life. Oof, that's starting to feel a little close to home. Um, Doing no work at all, but acting like busybodies. Now, because we're not native Greek speakers, Uh, we miss some of the the, the wordplay in this text. It's kind of interesting though, because when we hear busybody, we think of someone who's nosy, right? Which is true. Sometimes when you don't have enough going on in your own life, you're not busy, you get nosy about other people's lives. Hmm, too bad there's not a way that introduces us into the inner workings of everybody's life if we want to be nosy. Yeah, too bad that doesn't, technology doesn't exist. But the problem is, is that a verse like this, it's not quite what it says. What it literally says is some of you are not working at all, but you are busy doing nothing. In other words, you have filled your lives with nothingness. There's, there's a lot of commotion, but no productivity, is literally what this says. And of course, then that results in things like being nosy and getting involved in other people's business. But that's literally what's going on in a, in a verse like this. Because this particular group of people to whom Paul was writing actually had heard Paul say, Jesus is coming soon, you've got to get ready. And they thought, if Jesus is coming soon, I'm going to put my two-week notice in right now. I mean he's they literally thought jesus was coming like immediately and they quit working and then they were then they went back to their church and they're like hey guys really sorry i thought jesus was going to come before payday or before rent was due and so a little short can you help us out and so the church was carrying this burden of people who had quit their jobs because they thought jesus was coming in one hand you're like i admire the faith on the other hand you're like you need to work and that's what paul was saying This is the passage of scripture where Paul said, if you don't work, you shall not eat. You remember that passage of scripture. You got to work. Keep that job. Don't give up. But then in this passage, he says, don't busy your lives. Don't be busy doing nothing. Don't be busy doing nothing. Have you ever had that happen where you spent like 12 hours of your day and you're like, I didn't get anything done, but I'm exhausted I, didn't, I accomplished nothing. It wasn't like high-quality rest. Remember, we talked about last week, but I'm exhausted. Like, what, what happened? And how did they manage this in the first century? They didn't have the Internet. They didn't have video games. They didn't have Facebook. They didn't have any of the Netflix. They didn't have any of the stuff that we use as, like, easy, cheap diversions, and they still managed to busy their lives doing nothing. I'm honestly curious how they did it. The uh, premise of this series is uh, rule your life rule your life or the premise that's the title the premise is that our lives are just like there there's just so much going on that in order to grow in a healthy whole way we have got to find Structure and frameworks for our lives that make us grow, that utilize our time and energy and resources in ways that are productive, that go towards our ideals and our priorities. Without the structure, our lives just kind of get chaotic and disorganized, and then we end up spending an entire day not knowing what we had spent it on. We end up spending money not knowing where it went. We end up spending energy not knowing what we're actually doing. We end up a lot of activity but no productivity. We end up busy. Doing nothing, and I think no is this is no more present or obvious in our day and age than our relationship with technology, where we need a rule of life in order to rule our relationship with technology. Parents, you know this is true for your kids, but then you also know this is true for you too, because you are upset with the way your kids use technology, but then you're like, but I'm not great with it either. This subject tends to bring up three different responses we're gonna hit real quick, because I think this is most everybody in the room. Some of you feel, when I talk about misuse of technology or not using it well or not using our phones well, some of you feel sanctimonious. That's a big word. It starts with an S, so it fits what I was doing here. You feel sanctimonious, Because you feel like, well, that's not me. I don't even have a smartphone. I have a dumb phone. I still have a landline. And you think, look at all those ridiculous people waiting in lines at the Apple store to get the latest and greatest, and I'm just out here just doing my own thing. I talked to this, um, this kid, this has been years ago, and he said that his dad loved reading but loved it to a degree that he would neglect his family, which is a strange thing to think about. And I said, well, give me an example. What do you mean? He said, well, when I was a kid, I would say, Dad, can we go play catch? You know, classic dad, cats and cradle. let's go play catch. His dad would bring his novel with him out to the lawn to play catch, and then his dad would throw the ball to the son, and then he'd pull out his book, and he'd be reading, and the son would be like, Dad, I'm throwing the ball back to you now. And his dad would be like, okay, okay, fine. You know, it was clear to the son that the novel was more important than time with him. So it doesn't have to be an iPhone or an iPad or a smart TV or any dumb TV. It doesn't have to be any of those things. Any relationship we have with these things that has gotten out of control is a problem. It is a problem, whatever kind of technology. So some, some people are like, well, that's not me. But it can be talk radio. It can be cable news. It can be books. But for most of us, for the vast majority of us in the room, it is a smartphone. That's where the problem lies. So you'll hear me use that That language a lot. Secondly, some of you are going to hear what I say with suspicion. You're going to be like, oh great, here's some rant about technology, and it's all evil, and it's all bad. That's where my kids are going to be, because they hear me talk about this stuff all the time. They're like, dad, you just think the phone is the devil. Well, it is. That's the problem. But you just like, and so it's always like when when they get in trouble, at least right now, in their, you know, place in life, their consequence is to remove technology. That's the consequence in their life. Because why, why do we use that as a consequence? Because that seems to be the most important thing in their life. And that's the, most th- the thing that causes the most reaction and attention when we remove it. And one of my children say, you always pick on the phone. Well, it seems to get results, you know. Stop acting like it's the most important thing in your life, and maybe you won't get results. So my, my uh, but I'll tell you what, it kind of, it, it, it ends up being effective, or it ends up, it's not very effective. I, I borrow the phrase probably from my dad, uh, you know, saying technology will rot your brains. You know, you've heard that. So <laughs> a couple months ago, Liam uh, went up to Avery, and he's like, Avery, you want to come downstairs and rot your brains with me? So <laughs> evidently it's not, the message isn't really sinking in for him. But so some of you are acting, you're going to be suspicious. You're going to be like, first of all, the Bible doesn't really talk about technology. Yes. Secondly, I can handle it, Patrick. I'm fine. It's no problem. So I don't know if I want to hear about this. But, but I, I think I should be rightly concerned about their, my children's relationship with screens and yours, because I can see the struggle in myself and others. And thirdly, some of you are going to feel a little bit of shame because some of you are like, Ugh, yeah, I do have a problem. Um, I, I, I don't handle it well. I haven't been handling it well. And, uh, and, and I need to do something about it, but, man, it's just so easy to pull up my phone and scroll. It's just so easy. Um, the statistics are, the book, How to Break Up With Your Phone, very good book, by the way, uh, claims that three-fourths of smartphone owners believe they have an unhealthy relationship with their phone. Three-fourths. Three-fourths. And of that three-fourths, one-quarter of that group of people has never done anything about it. So they have a problem that they haven't addressed. I think that captures most people. In fact, I would maybe make the point that the the one-fourth of people who don't think they have a problem are mistaken, and they should talk to their children or their spouse about whether or not they have a problem with how they use the phone. So, I don't want to be utopian and say phones are awesome, it's great, it's the most amazing thing in the world, there's no problem. I don't want to be dystopian, like my children, feeling like, oh, you just think it's always bad. I don't want to be that either. I want to be topian. I want to be right in the middle. I want us to understand how to use these technologies in a way that actually benefits us, in a way that we rule versus being ruled by, our time and our attention being dominated by these devices. We need a technological rule of life. Now it seems like a strange sermon topic, right? But I'm telling you, this is this is we are in a whole new era of technological transformation that that our ability to handle it hasn't caught up with yet. Let, let me give you this 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 uh, quick illustration. Uh, I think we have one 25 year old in here. Is that right? Raise your hand if you're 25. Do we just have Caleb? Oh, we have two 25 year olds. Okay, all right. So Caleb and Abigail. Okay. Well, I'll use Caleb because because Abigail's going to have a baby and I don't want to make her walk around too much more than necessary. So, Caleb, come on up here. Caleb's 25 years old. He just turned 25, what, two, two months, a month ago? Yeah, two two weeks ago? Wow. So, get, you guys, get, I just want to, to to warn you. Get ready to feel old, okay? For most of you. We're young. Uh, w- what year were you born? 96. Yeah. Does anybody know what year I graduated high school? 95. I know, it's super, it's super, it's very, it makes me feel, I'm just, I kind of got depressed there. Uh, Google, Google, the thing you use likely every day, the word that didn't really, I mean, exist at least the way we use it, Google was founded the same year Caleb was born. The same year Caleb was born. So Google, I don't know what year you developed frontal lobes, but I don't know if Google has developed them yet. It's still a very young thing. Uh, does anybody know, anybody have any guesses? We're going to do this chronologically. Anybody have any guesses when Netflix was founded? 1997. Caleb was one year old, and you could only get videos by DVD through the mail. That's how it worked at the beginning. And you're like, oh, yeah, that seems like a million years ago. That was 24 Years ago. Uh, in 2004, Facebook was founded. They called it thefacebook.com and it was only for college students at Harvard and then it went bigger and now you're all on it arguing about politics. But in 2004 is when it was founded. Uh, Caleb, I don't, the math, when, when, how old were you in 2004? Eight. He was eight in 2004. Facebook as of last count, this is the most recent data that I have access to, has 2.89 billion monthly active users. That is nearing 50%, that's 40% of the global population on Facebook. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of people to disagree with on Facebook. In 2005, YouTube was founded. 2005, so you would have been... Uh, If you were eight, you would have been nine. YouTube was founded. Something that some of you watch every day. Netflix, YouTube. Your kids maybe watch it every single day. Didn't exist more than uh, 21 years ago. 2005. Uh, Today, there will be one billion hours of video watched. Today, one billion hours a video will be watched on YouTube today. In 2007, your iPhone, that thing that statistics say you will pick up 120 times today, or your Samsung, or whatever it is, 120 times you will pick this thing up. That came out in 2007. 2007. So we're getting closer. We're getting closer. Um, in 2007, Netflix also went streaming, and then you could begin watching it on your phone. You didn't have to wait for the mail to be delivered. In 2010, all the kids got tired of their parents and grandparents being on Facebook, so they all migrated over to this new technology called Instagram because they didn't like what the fact that their parents could see what they were doing. They went to Instagram, and that, was, that started in 2010. How old were you in 2010? 14. 14. Did you have Instagram right away? Oh, right away, yeah. (laughs) You didn't, no hesitation. When did your parents let you get a smartphone? Uh, 14. Oh, all right, 14, interesting. Um, In 2012, Snapchat was invented. Now, some of you are like, you're just making up words now, Patrick. What is, I don't even know what that is. You can Imagine me talking about this at the 8.30 service with a bunch of people who have been retired for 40 years and I'm like, Snapchat, and they're like, what are you talking about? Um, Snapchat was invented. You may not know what it is, but your kids do. There it it has taken Snapchat months what it took uh Facebook years to accomplish. That is the rate of technological increase. And Snapchat was not made for it wasn't invented for wholesome use. Maybe you use it wholesomely, but that's not what it was invented for. Um in 2016, TikTok. You guys have heard of TikTok? Joey, have you heard of TikTok? <laughs> Joey's not making TikTok videos. Um, I don't want to see a uh, show of hands of who has TikTok in here, but uh, um, it it was invented in 2016. All this stuff exploded in 2020. It just exploded because people were home. And so like TikTok, going to download that, billions of people using these technologies, words, concepts, ideas, ways of interacting with the world that did not exist 25 years ago when Caleb was born. It didn't exist. Now, for most of Christian history, we have had centuries of opportunity to kind of figure out, like, well, what should Christians do and think? And people have written and thought and prayed and studied and gathered together to try to figure out how do we best utilize these different advances, you know? So now today, we use all kinds of technology. We use technology. We have... uh, Caleb, you can sit down. You don't have to stand up here. I I just wanted to give you an idea of how young this stuff is. But we use it. We use it constantly today. I'm preaching from an iPad. You sang off of screen that we projected. We got all kinds of technological equipment back there that those guys do a wonderful job of using. We're using wireless mics. I mean, there's all kinds of technology being put to good use, but there's so much stuff that has changed over the last even five years, even ten years, that people haven't caught up. But here's the thing. We have not figured out how to rule our technology, but this is incredibly important. Your technology has figured out how to rule you. We haven't figured out how to rule it yet, but it has figured out how to rule you. And if you don't believe me, let me just support that premise with a couple of uh, quotes from people who created these products first one is from a guy named Sean Parker, who was the first president of Facebook. Back when Mark Zuckerberg was like, I'm not sure what this is, this guy came in and he really made it something that exploded. He got out of it. He's a billionaire now. He got out of it because he started thinking, man, I'm not sure about these technologies. I'm not sure that they're really healthy for our country, healthy for our world. And this is what he said in 2017 in the interview. He said, quote, the thought process that went into these applications was all about how do we consume as much of your time and conscious attention as possible oof tristan harris who was a google ethicist which is i can't believe it's a thing but he actually left google because he was like this is not good and he wrote we were not programming apps we were programming people because every moment you keep your eyeballs glued to that string that screen is just a few more dollar bills for them Google, in 2015, did this, this workshop where they tried to select between 41 different shades of blue on their website because they tried to figure out which one would keep people looking at the screen longer, and they finally picked one. It resulted in 20 or $200 million of profit because they got people to stick around just a little bit longer and then click on this ad and click on that ad all that's all it's about your attention is worth money and the more you give it to them and the more you well, well i'm getting ahead of myself in other words what i'm what i'm trying to say is there are hundreds of thousands of programmers designers and engineers who are spending billions of dollars to try to hijack your attention span and we think we have a chance right and based on the stats it's working I'm not going to ask you to do this. Well, maybe. Maybe you should. Maybe you should pull out your phone. And maybe you should look at this, uh, go to your settings if you have an iPhone. And on your settings, there's this little feature called screen time. And this will tell you how much time you're using on your phone. Oh, Oh, good. I've only used it 48 minutes. Oh, it just went up to 53 today. How did I do that? I got to church about 7.30 a.m. How did I use it for 53 minutes? Probably because Paul's calling me on the phone all the time. <laughs> it's Paul's fault. He's not really. It's working. It's working. But some of you are like, okay, Patrick, but there are good things, right? Yeah, we FaceTimed um, our daughter at college almost every day. I mean, that's awesome. It's awesome to be able to see her face and interact with her now that she's living 13 hours away. That's wonderful. I mean, we don't get, we don't get lost anymore very often, right? I guess the people in the parking lot notwithstanding. <laughs> But we don't get lost very often. We, we have, I have access to every song that I could ever want to listen to. It's just, I've got it right there on my phone. I can listen to any song I want. I have all the information I want. I have all the books I want. I listen to audiobooks. I listen to podcasts. There's all this great stuff. Uh, cameras to capture memories, a calendar to keep your life structured in order. In fact, I'll even even go further. Zoom was awesome over the last 20 months to be able to interact with people. Some of your disciple groups met on Zoom and you were able to maintain connections that way. I mean, we're streaming this sermon on the internet right now for people who are at home and are wanting to still maintain that connection with us. We're so glad you're here. That's awesome. That's a piece of, that's a moral good from technology. Um, I actually, uh, I, I tried, to read through the bible periodically i don't have a a schedule i just read it till i'm done i don't try to do it in a year because why speed read the bible it's not built that way but this year i decided you know i'm going to have the bible read to me well my phone will read the bible to me and it'll do it in multiple languages you can on your phones you can read the bible in over 1200 different languages i can only read one barely that one but you could do it in 1200 different languages right there on your phone And so I have the Bible read to me uh, each morning. This morning, during my quiet time, I I thought about some friends and some people I wanted to reach out to and contact. And I shot them quick texts say, hey, thinking about you, praying for you, I hope things are going well. And that's awesome. It's an awesome way to use technology. That's good. There's moral good. If Jesus had an iPhone, I'm guessing that's kind of the things he might do with it. But the problem is that the, in fact, I think probably the biggest struggle with technology is that it blurs the lines between our best and our worst impulses. There are very good impulses to connect with others, and then there are very dark impulses that uh, technology gives us access to. Let me, let me give you just a couple things. I just spent like 15 minutes thinking through, our, so what are the negative things that can happen with a phone that the scriptures might talk about? It's, it's a long list. You could start off with, for example, it really messes with your need for social approval. Your social media use really messes with that. If you struggle with that, Phones give you an opportunity to really dive deep into that problem. 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 12 says, Hey, you don't need to worry about what other people think. You need to please God, not other people. You don't need to, to curate that image or that picture or that, that post just so you will get likes. What about, what about arguments? Have, have, have there been any arguments online? Any conflict online? No, I can't, really can't think of any offhand. James 1:19 says, "When you are living in conflict, it's a sign that you're worldly. So when you're having conflict online, it's not a sign of spiritual maturity. What about anger? James chapter 1 verse 20: The anger, the wrath of man, does not produce the righteousness of God. Have you ever uh, ever gotten angry by something you saw online or read online or something you did online? Yeah, yeah, there's some anger. Addicted beha- addictive behaviors, First Corinthians 6:12, "I will not be brought under the control of anything. What about? I mean, these are just the A's. What about things like discontent and distraction and disconnect? I mean, there are people who struggle with, with, with covetousness. This is one of the big ten, one of the big ten words. There are people who struggle with that, and every time they get online, there's an advertisement for something, oh, I need that, or I'll just go to this website, and I'll just press this one button, and they're in debt because they've struggled with this, with this uh, discontent. What about distraction? Have you ever seen, have you ever just go to any playground? It is the saddest thing to see these parents who have a few precious months to spend with their children looking on Facebook while they push the kid's swing. It's just ridiculous, but we, we've done it. You've done it. You've ignored family members for something silly on here. We've done it. It's so, it's so ridiculous, but we do it. What about, what about lust? should we really dig into that one so much internet traffic has to do with that matthew chapter 5 verse 28 it's dark uncontrolled sexual desire what about the way we spend our time what about just solitude and the ability to live with our own thoughts people struggle with that they cannot be with their own thoughts and we have an easy way to distract ourselves. If there's a sin, I mean, <laughs> I don't know, maybe you can be creative, but if there's a sin, I think that there's probably a way to commit it with your smartphone, right? It probably exists. And, and of course, technology didn't create sin, it didn't create it, it just gave us shortcuts, you know? Technology didn't create temptation, it just put temptation right in our pocket, within arm's reach, a- at least, to eat the forbidden fruit, you had to climb the tree and pick the apple. Now it's just right there. It's just right there. Alright, so so what are you saying, Patrick? Should we just chuck our phones, chuck our TVs, sell our own clothes, live in the woods? I mean, what are you talking about? Actually, it sounds pretty good. <laughs> it sounds great, really. No, that's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it's about I'm I'm not anti technology, I'm I'm pro intention. I'm pro-ruling our lives and cultivating the relationship with technology that we want to have that will make us thrive, our families thrive, and glorify God. That's the relationship with technology that we should want. Well, some of you are thinking, well, that's not me. I don't really have a problem. (laughs) I've discovered that it's incredibly difficult to see the problem we have in ourselves because we don't really realize how much we ignore people. We don't realize how much time we spend i love gadgets i love them my you know for a long time that would be like every father's day would be some new cool gadget and and uh i just you know the latest greatest i love it it's it's exciting and uh i got the apple watch a few years ago And I was just like, every day, closing those rings, closing those rings. And I'm like, how cool is this? I get every text. I get every call. I get every email. I don't miss a thing. It's awesome. And I remember talking to my next-door neighbor one time, and I got, you know, buzzed on my wrist. And I looked down, and, you know, he's some older guy, probably didn't know what I was doing. And he was like, oh, do you have somewhere to be? And I was like, oh, I kind of feel bad that I made you feel like you were less important than this thing on my wrist. But I still loved it. And uh, we went on this trip, and I forgot the charger to my Apple Watch. I just left it at home, just totally forgot it, and and I had this little mild panic, you know what I mean? Like, how I have built my life around this device, how am I going to survive? You know, about three days in, I was like, you know what, I'm just having a really good trip. I don't feel as anxious as I normally do. I'm not as distracted. I feel more present in the moment. I wonder what that could be. Huh, I don't know, and then two and two came together to create four, and I realized, oh, I don't need that. It didn't make my life better. Now some of you're like, Ugh, better take off my Apple Watch put in my pocket." I'm not saying that. You do you do whatever you want, but I I never put it back on. That was the end. Because I realized my life was improved by the absence of that technology. And I don't think that we realize if somebody had said, "Patrick, your life will be better without the Apple Watch." We'll be like, "That's ridiculous. What are you?" Ridiculous. That's silly. So how do we reorder Our lives are technological lives. I've told you this before. Let me just say this real quick. Up at camp, we go up to camp every year. We take the kids' phones away, which makes some parents very nervous because they want 24-7 contact with their children because they're helicopter parents, and that's just gotten worse and worse and worse and worse. But we take the kids' phones away at the beginning of the week, and the kids are like crackheads at the beginning of the week. They're like, they feel phantom buzzes in their pocket, and they're just like jittery, and it's just like, they're going through that digital detox. And then about three days in, they get relaxed, and they start having conversations, and it's good. And then there's kids even at a weekend or 10 days in, they're like, oh, I like my life without my phone. I love it. I feel good. I feel free. I feel light, and it's wonderful, and everything's glorious, and I'm looking at the trees and the stars, and I'm interacting with people, and they recognize how much better their lives are without that constant contact to technology. And then, at the, on the last day, we say, okay, here you go, it's time for you to go home, here's your stuff again, and 20 minutes later, all of us, kids, adults, we're all like, back to it. Because we're kind of addicts. We're right back at it. Even though we had learned the lesson, the lesson didn't stick. So let me, how do we reorder our technological lives? 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 11, For we hear that some among you are leading an undisciplined life. I like uh, undisciplined is fine, more accurately disordered. You've got your priorities all out of whack. Disordered life. So how do we reorder our technological lives? Two approaches that I'm going to offer. One is based on something Jesus said. I bet you didn't know he talked about iPhones. And one is based on something Paul said. Uh, first, let's talk about the more uh, drastic. Matthew chapter 5, verse 30. If your right hand causes you to sin cut it off. Now, most people think Jesus was being a little hyperbolic, right? Like, really? There are some uh, Christians throughout church history that we have record of that took this literally and, you know, went around with life with a hand. But Jesus' point is that, hey, your life will be better without... Your hand, And he's saying, you know, the sin happens here. It doesn't happen here, but the sin happens here. But he says, if you need to cut off your hand to stop you from stealing, well, then just go ahead and do that, right? A little crazy, a little wild, but let me give you the technological version of that. I'm going to use my wife as an example. There was something happening, something big happening in our nation in 2016. I can't quite remember what it was. Something about an election or something. But whatever it was, I'm just kidding, I know exactly what it was. Whatever it was... It was causing people to not be their best selves online, and there was arguments and conflict and problems. And my wife thought, huh, there are people at church that are saying and doing things that are really making it hard for me to love them because of what I'm seeing online, so I'm going to cut off my right hand, and she just closed down Facebook. Close down Facebook? How am I going to know what my third cousin's second roommate's former mother-in-law had for breakfast if I shut off Facebook? How am I going to know? I know, I get it. You have family and friends and you stay up to date with. I know, I get it. But if it's a problem, cut it off. Cut it off. Maybe that's too drastic for you. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 15 and 16. So then be careful. This is Paul. Be careful. Be thoughtful. Be intentional how you walk. Not as unwise people, but as wise, making the most of your time because the days are evil. Maybe for you, you just need to create some speed bumps between your impulses and your use of technology. I, uh, what I did, this is just, I've done this for about a year now, I turned off all the sounds on my phone and all the notifications so I'm, I'm missing so many calls <laughs> I have to actually be looking at my phone to know it's a call and to answer it and so it actually this is weird because you would think oh I'm missing out every time I see a missed phone call I get a little sh- jolt of joy I'm like oh sweet I just feel good about that and I'll call you back I'm sure, you know, and there's ways that you can make sure your children can get a hold of you but the only time I ever turn the sound on is when I'm expecting a call from a family member and it's really important, I need to be available, but otherwise it's just completely off Uh, another thing that I do is I practice being in line at stores, I hate lines, I hate waiting, but I practice being in the line without looking at my phone and so I'm such a weirdo, everybody's like scrolling and I'm just sitting there looking, looking at them (laughs) make an eye contact and they're like what is with this guy but it's just a way to practice being with my own thoughts and just engaging with with the world Maybe you need to do something else. There's all kinds of things you can do. You can, you can uninstall your web browser. You can leave your phone at home. Did you know that? That's a possibility. You can leave it at home. You can create rules for you like, I'm not going to use my phone before I pray or before I read scripture or both or no phones after 8 p.m. or no phones in the bedroom or, you know, there's all, I, I went out, this didn't work, but I'll tell you what I did. I went out and bought uh, charge cords that were about that long, right, like that. <laughs> And then I put the charger thing in the living room. And so the goal was, is everybody would have to plug their phone right there in the living room and then it would just be really awkward to use. I come home all the time and I'll see these chairs gathered around the charge ports where like, it didn't work, it didn't work, but it was an attempt. It was an attempt. Do, do, do what it takes, do what it takes. Let's just be the weird people in our culture who are using tech to glorify God and not being ruled not being ruled by it. Let's rule our phones. Let's rule our TVs. Let's rule our technology and not be ruled by it.